Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to Tech Stuff, a production from iHeartRadio. Hey there, and welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm your host, Jonathan Strickland. I'm an executive producer with iHeartRadio, and I love all things tech. And this is the tech news for Thursday, June 24th, 2021. We've got a short one for you today. I'm heading into my birthday weekend and I'm celebrating by unplugging. But let's get to some news. Top of the news today is that yesterday we learned from authorities in Spain that John McAfee, who founded the McAfee Antivirus Company, was found dead in his jail cell. There is a lot for us to unpack here, because there are elements to McAfee's life story that sound like they could have come from some over-the-top film about excess and scandal. McAfee founded the company back in the late 1980s to market antivirus software, but he actually resigned his position in 1994, sold off his stake in the company. So McAfee Antivirus hasn't had anything to do with John McAfee for nearly 30 years now. And in fact, McAfee would go on to kind of slag off 
on McAfee antivirus, calling it uh, unnecessary, recommending people not install it, arguing that it had bloatware in it. He even said at some point that he had never bothered to install antivirus software on his own computers, that rather he would just keep his devices uh, disconnected from his own identity. He would not link them to him and that he wouldn't go to sites that would typically host malware. Anyway, he went on to found or work for several other companies. He accumulated a pretty sizable amount of wealth, but lost a great deal of that during the global financial crisis around 2008. He lived in Belize for quite a while, where authorities once raided his home on suspicion that he was connected to unlicensed drug production. That was a whole story. And he was also accused of having hired a hitman to torture and kill one of his neighbors in Belize. That was stemming from a long kind of feud between the two. Uh, the neighbor certainly was murdered, and there were questions about whether or not McAfee was involved either directly or, as is the case with the hitman allegation, indirectly. McAfee fled Belize in the aftermath of that, and after refusing to show up in court for charges connected to that neighbor's murder, the court ordered him to pay $25 million to the neighbor's next of kin, which was a judgment that McAfee just dismissed out of hand. But then he had a habit of dismissing court judgments out of hand. Kind of made it part of his, his shtick is not paying the court-mandated fines that he got hit with uh, multiple times. He toyed with presidential campaigns at least twice, but they never really seemed terribly serious to me. It seemed more like almost a publicity stunt. Last October, Spanish authorities arrested McAfee as he was preparing to travel to Turkey, and the charge was that McAfee had been committing tax evasion for four years, essentially not filing taxes, which he thought of as being illegal. Uh, turns out that's not how the U.S. government sees it. And this week, a Spanish court ruled that he would be extradited to the United States, a ruling that could have been appealed, uh, but he was found dead in his jail cell not long afterward. Authorities say that it appears that it was suicide. McAfee himself actually sowed the seeds of doubt about suicide a couple years ago. He claimed he would never do such a thing. And he got a tattoo that said whacked on it. Actually, had like a, a dollar sign in W-H-A-C-K-D. He argued that if he were ever found dead by quote-unquote suicide, that all his true believers could take faith that it was actually murder, that he had been killed while in prison. And uh, not long after authorities discovered his body, his own Instagram account posted an image of a giant Q on it, presumably a reference to the QAnon group. But McAfee also has a team of folks who worked with him, and some of them were managing his social media profiles. That has been a thing that's been going on for a while, so it's not like McAfee had some sort of dead man switch to, to post a picture of Q. And while I'm certain there will be no shortage of conspiracy theories coming out about McAfee, I do want to point out that he was certainly not a reliable narrator by any stretch of the imagination. I'm not saying that there aren't questions about his death. There certainly are. There are questions. Um, whether it was by suicide or some other means, there are definitely questions. However, I wouldn't take anything McAfee said in the past as something 
truly reliable and rock steady. The Spanish court had already ordered him to be extradited to the United States, which would give the U.S. the chance to prosecute McAfee. So the the story that was being pushed around is that the U.S. wanted McAfee dead. But if the U.S. had just successfully won out a, a, an agreement to have McAfee ex- extradited to the United States, seems like having him murdered wouldn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I mean, I, I'm not like deep state Michael Crichton level kind of thinking sort of stuff. So maybe I'm just missing it. But my advice is don't go spreading conspiracy theories. Use critical thinking. You can ask questions. There's nothing wrong with asking questions, but it's the leaping to answers <laughs> that part that is the problem. Um, I, I I don't know what happened. I I'm inclined to think that this is a case where he committed suicide after coming to the realization that he was not going to be able to slip out of this like he had previous times. But that's just a guess. I don't have the information to make you know a, a solid statement on it. I do believe that there will probably be a billion movies made about this guy in the years to come. Maybe one with Adam Sandler playing the part. I think that you know this is sort of an uncut gems kind of opportunity here. In other news, the Reddit crowd over at Wall Street Bets might be doing a little bit of a victory lap this week. Vice reported on Tuesday that White Square, a hedge fund that had recommended a short sell of GameStop stock, has shut down. All right, so if you're like me and financial stuff is a bit outside of your wheelhouse, let's go ahead and break all this down. And for the record, you know, I had to refresh myself on all this kind of stuff because this isn't my world. But hedge funds are investment pools in which people, uh, typically really rich people, pour a lot of money into the fund in the hopes of turning it into a lot more money. So it's one of the many ways on how the wealthy get even wealthier. Anyway, hedge funds tend to have more risky strategies than other types of investment funds. Uh, It tends to be a high risk, high reward kind of situation. So when it works, it's paying off big time. Uh, Hedge fund managers have to be accredited by the SEC, but in return, hedge funds have less oversight and less regulation than other types of funds, which gives them the freedom to make these kind of risky moves. All right, we got hedge funds. So what's a short sell? Well, if you suspect that a company's stock price is going to go down, you can do something called selling short. And essentially what's happening is you don't own any of this company's stock already. Okay. You, you just think, oh, this company X is about to have a decline in stock price. Maybe you thought that the stock price was overvalued and it's going to be readjusted. Maybe you think the company's entering into some choppy waters, whatever the case. So what you do is you borrow shares of that company's stock from some other investor And you're essentially saying, I'll give these shares back to you at this specific date. So you you set a date when you have to return the shares to that investor. Then you sell these borrowed shares. You wait for the price of the stock to go down. Then you buy back the shares you borrowed, but at a lower price. You return the borrowed shares and you get to keep the difference. So in other words, uh, let's say that you borrow some shares and you sell these shares at $20 a piece. 
but you buy them back when they're down to $5 a piece. That means you would make $15 per share profit. But if the price doesn't go down, if the stock price goes up, then you're in trouble because you still have to return those borrowed shares. So let's say you sold off the borrowed shares for $20 each, but now the price is $50 each and you're due. That means you're going to lose $30 per share because you have to buy back the borrowed shares to return them to the other investor. So White Square shorted GameStop. And then because a bunch of folks really wanted to mess with hedge funds and more than a few of those folks also wanted to make some money in the process, a ton of small independent investors began buying up GameStop stock. That eventually drove up the price to a point where when it came time for White Square to return those shorted shares, the company was hurting pretty badly. Now, for the record, White Square reps say that the closure of the hedge fund is unrelated to the GameStop stock issue. Instead, according to the reps, the issue was that two of the really big investors into that hedge fund withdrew their investments from the pool, which made the hedge fund untenable, and that this really was marking a shift toward a different approach to making investments, just generally that's happening in the market, which might be true. But I do imagine that the company was rocked pretty hard by the GameStop issue. Just, you know, perhaps not enough to precipitate the fund's actual demise. Over in the UK, authorities want to have a word with Amazon. An ITV news investigation captured footage of Amazon warehouse workers packing returned and unsold merchandise, including stuff like laptops, TV, uh, other electronics, books, into boxes, and those boxes had the word destroy on them, and that the workers then loaded trucks down with these boxes before driving the trucks over to landfills or recycling centers. A former Amazon employee told the investigative team that workers were expected to dispose of more than 100,000 items every week. Activists pounced on this. They pointed out the enormous amount of waste that this generates. And they also questioned, how can a company behave in this way, throwing out hundreds of thousands of products each week and still remain profitable? As Greta Thunberg pointed out, Quote, that's a clear sign that something is fundamentally wrong, end quote. And I concur. If a company can afford to throw out hundreds of thousands of unsold products each month, you know, high-end products at that, like TVs and computers, then something wacky's got to be going on in order to keep that company profitable. Now, Amazon reps have actually responded to this. They said that no items were actually sent to landfills in the UK, though that could be a qualifier. Uh, but they rather went to some recycling centers for a quote-unquote energy recovery, and that the company routinely donates unsold items to charitable organizations and the like. Other unnamed Amazon employees seem to contradict this, but a full investigation would need to follow to really ferret out the truth. I think it's pretty phenomenal. It's kind of crazy to think about a company literally throwing out hundreds of thousands of products. It just, it's so wasteful, and you... You sit there and think if you had a different approach to business, you wouldn't have that waste, which presumably would mean you would profit more. But maybe there's other stuff going on that I just don't understand. I, I admit, I look at the world when it comes to business, I look at the world in a pretty simplistic way, and I acknowledge that things are way more complicated than I particularly understand. 
Finally, a change in how Google handles unlisted links could mean that we'll see some stuff sort of just disappear from the web or at least become inaccessible. So in an email to YouTube creators, I got one of these emails, just so you know, the company wrote, quote, in 2017, we rolled out an update to the system that generates new YouTube unlisted links, which included security enhancements that make the links for your unlisted videos even harder for someone to discover without you sharing with them. We're now making changes to older unlisted videos that were uploaded before this update took place, end quote. So in other words, the company is retroactively applying this updated security schema to YouTube and also to Google Drive documents as well that have, you know, links in them. And users will be able to choose one of several options with regard to this. They can opt out of this change entirely by filling out a form. They have to do that by July 23rd, 2021 in order to keep those documents and those videos in their current unlisted state. So in other words, no change is made. The unlisted URL remains the same. And that way, people who have the links to those videos will still be able to get them or embedded videos in other platforms that otherwise are unlisted will still be accessible. Or creators can change unlisted videos and make them public, which just uh, gets around the problem. Now the unlisted videos are public. They're publicly available. That'll take care of it as well. They can also re-upload the old video as a new unlisted video. So essentially they just swap out one for the other. Or they can do nothing at all. And the unlisted videos that were posted before 2017 will switch over to become private videos, which means no one will be able to access it other than the channel creator or channel administrator. Now, why is this all important? Well, it means that any videos that were made before 2017, but are unlisted, but are also embedded on other platforms, like on a blog or something like that, those videos will disappear unless the creators actually take one of these options. So if I had made a video in 2015, and I made it unlisted on my channel, so you wouldn't just come across the video if you were to visit my channel. However, I then embedded that video on, say, a personal web page or something, then that video is going to be a broken link later this year. You would go and you would find a, a uh, like one of those YouTube embedded uh, videos that just has the little uh, X on it where like there's no video there. You push play and nothing happens because the link doesn't work. It's a dead link. The same is true, as I said, with Google Drive links. So if you have links to documents created in Google Drive from before 2017, that's unlisted documents and things like that, the same sort of rules apply. This was all in an effort to improve privacy and security, which I think is the right move, but it is going to be a hassle for some creators and for channels that have been inactive or even abandoned. That might mean that that video content will just disappear from discovery so that videos that people once were able to watch, suddenly they won't have access to them anymore because those will be switched to private and the channel administrators just don't deal with that channel anymore, which is kind of a bummer. I mean, we always say that everything lasts forever on the internet, but things like this where you break links, that kind of stuff is an exception to the rule. And uh, I've certainly had experience with this kind of stuff before where a change in policy meant that suddenly linked documents were no longer linked and it is a huge pain in the butt when that happens. 
Anyway, that's the news for Thursday, June 24th, 2021. I hope you all have a great day, a great weekend. As I said, it is my birthday weekend, so make sure you go out and do something, you know, nice and thoughtful for someone else. That's That'll be a great birthday present for me. Just doesn't have to be big, just a nice, thoughtful gesture to someone else. And after you do that selfless act, you are to turn your face to the heavens and cry out, This was all for you, Jonathan Strickland. And I'll know, wherever I am, I'll know that you did that. Now, if you have any suggestions for topics I should cover in future episodes of Tech Stuff, reach out to me on Twitter. The handle is TechStuffHSW. I've been getting a bunch of those recently, which is awesome. Uh, I am currently still working through the glossary of tech terms, or rather tech acronyms and initialisms. But as soon as that series is over, I'm going to be tackling some of these suggestions sent in by listeners. So you can get your suggestions in too. And I, I look forward to hearing from you. And I'll talk to you again really soon. Tech Stuff is an iHeartRadio production. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Bring it Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release, presented by Verizon, coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.